Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, otherwise known as Fick in the Meadow, and we're going off script today. If y'all know, usually I write notes for my podcast episodes to kind of keep me on the rails. And I had prepared an episode about living with chronic illness, but I am just having way too good of a week and way too good of a day to talk about that right now, which I'm sure my fellow Spoonies and chronic illness people can understand when you're having a good day, you gotta ride the wave. Luckily, I have a ton of things that I would like to talk about. We're probably gonna be doing our catch up for a good portion of this episode and just what's on my mind, but I do wanna eventually get to talking about the mortality of our parents, moving back to your hometown and small towns in general. We'll see if I can remember that by the time I'm done talking about everything else that I wanna talk about. I hope that everyone is doing super well. I don't know about anyone else, but I am feeling like I've snapped out of my seasonal depression funk. I know we're in the midst of what a lot of people refer to as our fool's winter, fool's spring, whatever, where winter happened, then we have a couple weeks of really nice weather and then winter happens again. Because I know, I think this weekend actually, we're supposed to get like another 10 centimeters of snow, but right now it's been like plus 10 and sunny and beautiful. And let me tell you that sun has single-handedly cured my mental health. That's completely a joke, but it's made it a lot better and a lot more manageable in therapy. So I have just been having a great old time, aside from getting sick again, which I think it's just like tis the season. I just had uh, a common cold, if you will, over the weekend, which doesn't that always just suck when you finally get a couple days off. I had booked a long weekend as well to just help my mom out with some things around the house and visit with her. And I was just feeling really crummy just a really sore throat. And I'm such a baby when I get a sore throat because there is nothing worse than when just swallowing your saliva feels like knives. You know what? That aside, I've been having a really great week and I've just been feeling really appreciative for my apartment, my life. I I don't know, just everything. My partner and I recently just celebrated our two-year anniversary this month. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, which when you're listening to this, it's a few days in the past. I'm just feeling really 
grateful and safe and happy and peaceful in my relationship. Reflecting on the fact that it's been two years and we are just so in the flow with each other is just beautiful to have. Especially anyone else that's been in crummy relationships in the past. You know when you find your person, your peaceful person, and you just get to stew in that mundane and that quiet and how wonderful that is. That's just what I've been feeling really grateful for. I've also been reorganizing my books a little bit. That makes me feel really grateful too. Y'all know I am a booky person. So translate this to whatever your interest or hobbies might be. I'm just feeling so abundant and grateful for that. I kind of swing between physical book and Kindle weeks months. I've been really into my physical books again. It's interesting because I had posted that collaboration with Goodwill Books on my Instagram last week and shared some more book finds and I had somebody message me. She was like, you know, I'm just really curious. What do you do with your books when you're done reading them? For me, I'm like, oh, I have an emotional attachment to my books. I love keeping the books that I love. I thought this was an interesting question and an important one about sustainability. So for me, after I read my physical books, for the most part, I like to keep them. So long as I liked the book, because I like to act as my own little library. I lend to my mom. She is my number one fan of coming to my house to borrow books from me. We have the same kind of interest in books, thrillers and romance. I lend to my friends, my clients. I love doing that. I know some people don't like lending their books, but look, if someone hasn't returned a book in a reasonable amount of time, I am on them. I am texting them. I am like, okay, I need to know that my book is safe. I would like it back soon. And that always does the trick for me. So I love keeping my books to lend them out. I also reread my books, read enough books that after a year has gone by, I typically have forgotten the plot. I've forgotten what's happened. I'm there for a good time, not a long time, and I like to revisit them. But there are some books that I don't enjoy, or they're in a little bit of rougher condition than I would like for lending out and lending out. And so with those books, I'll typically either leave them in a little free library in my neighborhood, or I donate them to nonprofit used bookstores or my favorite used bookstore, which will actually buy used books for me for in-store credit that I can then use to buy more used books. I'm just really riding the sustainability wave with books because I think there are enough out there. And then when it comes to new books that I want to read that are newly coming out, if I can't find them used, I like to just you know, download it on my Kindle or purchase it through my Kindle. But anyways, this person that had asked that, she was like, oh yeah, I'm just always curious. And she's from the Ottawa area and said that there was a, what was it? Some kind of like animal rescue or something that she donates hers to. I don't remember the specifics, but it was something sustainable and beautiful. And I just think that's also an important conversation to be had when we talk about books, because I consume a lot of books and books are my thing, as y'all know. Anywho, since we last talked, I had to share. I know last time I was like, oh, I've got my Goodwill book collab going up. Well, let me tell you, this past weekend, I hit the mother load, the jackpot at the Goodwill bookstore. This was at the one that's usually like smaller, quieter, not a lot of new stuff coming in. I walk in, go to the new arrival shelf, and I'm seeing Katie Robert. I'm seeing Lucy Score. I saw Sarah J. Mass on the shelf. And all of a sudden I'm piling books like so high that I can barely carry them. Going to my partner out of breath being like, I, I don't know who that like my book soul sister donated all their books, but I am thriving and living right now. I think priced higher than $4.99. I made out like a bandit. So many awesome 
like new, relatively new releases within the last three years in the romance and thriller genre have been donated. And I was so excited because these were books that I either had a really long waitlist for through the library, or I had just written off that I wouldn't be able to find them at the used bookstore for a really long time. So I think I found like around 13 or 14 books. Like it was, it was a score. And when I found a first print original cover hardcover of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J Maas, I nearly had to be picked up off that floor. I don't own any of those books in physical copy. I have been looking at used bookstores for them for a couple of years and ended up just reading on Kindle because I could not find and did not want to purchase new. So when I found that, I was just, I needed a moment. I still need a moment. I think I wake up every day. I'm like, I can't believe I found that. Secondhand, for $5. I'm gonna be so for real with you. It was technically free because I was given vouchers to the Goodwill bookstore as part of my payment for that collaboration. It, it felt like a really big win. Anyways, I am in my book glory right now. And I just spent time reorganizing all my books, which I love to do every now and then. I pull them all off my bookshelf and under my coffee table where we store some of our books because small apartment living, you have to maximize your storage. And I love looking through them again and thinking, okay, these are the books that I want to revisit. These are some that I should lend out because they're really good, but maybe I don't want to reread them yet. It really creates an abundance and so much gratitude for what we already have. And I think that's something that we all need to practice a little bit more. It's when we're going out and we're consuming and we're buying things, even if it's buying things secondhand, that excitement can wear off really fast. And that's why when I intentionally bring things into my life, I like to like display it and appreciate it and then go back and revisit and appreciate things well after they've been in my home for a while. This both just helps me be a happier human being and form a better relationship with consumerism. You know, yeah, I'm just, I'm in a gratitude bubble right now. So I didn't, I didn't technically count those books in my low buy year because again, I had, vouchers from the collaboration to use for them. So I didn't spend any money out of my pocket, which I am so grateful for. And I, Lord knows, spend enough money at that freaking Goodwill bookstore. We go like every week. So, so it felt very karmic, if you will, the it goes around, comes around with used books purchasing and then them collaborating with me and basically giving me some free used books. Anywho, what else is new? Okay, so with this low buy year, this month I've still just been like kind of struggling a little bit this week and I'm falling into that secondhand gray area of consumerism where when I talked to my low buy year episode, I talked about how, you know, consuming secondhand is still consuming. You're still buying things and justifying it by saying, oh, well, it's sustainable and cheaper isn't always great. We've been spending a lot of time in antique stores because like I mentioned a few episodes ago, we're on the hunt for some shelves with brackets for our walls. And we did end up finding two. We need one more. We need a third. Doesn't have to match. We're not being that picky, but it's leading us to a lot of looking. And as you know from that episode as well, I am trying not to window shop or browse because it is tempting and it's really been testing my boundaries to leave certain things behind and not impulse buy. But we did go back to one of our favorite antique stores because again, like I said, I like to sit on a purchase, think on it. And especially when it comes to places like HomeSense, Winners, thrift stores and antique stores where there is not a guaranteed back stock of items, how there can be that pressure to buy now. And I like to think, okay, if I go home and think about it and I go back in a week and it's not there, it wasn't meant to be. Anyways, we did go back to one and I picked up, I posted on my Instagram stories earlier this week, a 80s vintage Beatrix Potter bunny lamp. 
Anywho, that felt fine and good and fit into my budget and was a home decor piece that I knowingly already had a spot for in mind that I wanted to put it, had thought about that aside. It was so funny anytime that we are purchasing things for like our inner child. I collect Beatrix Potter stuff. My partner likes to collect Darren Sean books. It's a book author series he really enjoyed when he was a kid and he has a bunch of books from when he was young, but some have gone missing. So he's been trying to collect them to place back into his series. It was always so funny how we don't really, I don't like, I don't like to stereotype, but other people do. We, we might not look like the typical audience for said things. When we were scooting around looking at all the Peter Rabbit stuff, the older ladies, the, the owners of the booths, were so elated to hear that it wasn't a gift, it was actually for me. We, we are like the two black cats walking around this antique store in literally all black with all my tattoos and piercings, my partner in like a black jean jacket, we look a little suspect and it's just always so wonderful to surprise people and form wonderful relationships with these older folks because both of our interests, like my partner also collects 80s Dragonlance, Dungeons and Dragons related things, we tend to cross paths often with older folks who might have judgments formed about us based on how we look and it's just funny to break that barrier and for them to be so touched that someone like us would want to bring these things that hold a lot of sentimental value to them from when they were younger into our lives. That's my that's my little story from that, I guess, is something positive that has come out of things that we have purchased, you know, either him or I lately, is the relationships with the people that we're purchasing them from. That is one of the things that I do like about secondhand if you're buying, you know, from a specific vendor where you're face-to-face -face meeting them or Facebook marketplace is just forming that relationship with the person who previously had that item. I think it makes for really great stories as well. Last year for my partner's birthday, I got him a vintage first print of a certain artist's rendition of like a Lord of the Rings poster from over in England who, long story short, I met up with a lady from Facebook Marketplace from like two hours away who was coming into town to visit family and it just like worked out perfectly. The stars were aligning and she had this beautiful story about how she loved Lord of the Rings when she was younger and when this poster came out, you know, 40 plus years ago, how her father had managed to get her this first print and he custom framed it for her and she was just so happy for it to go to a fan's home and not someone that was just going to resell it because there's so much of that these days. Anyways, I just think that's really beautiful and mindful in consumption. What else is new? What else is new? Let me think. Aside from just everyone being sick, I don't know if other people are dealing with this. January, February has been really rough. Everyone at my day job is coming in either actively still sick or just getting over a bug. And usually regardless, they say they're just getting over a bug, even though they're like dripping snot and coughing up a lung. So I was like, well, naturally I'm going to get sick again. And like I said, luckily this last one was just a cold and I wasn't down for the count too much. I only missed one day of work, which for somebody with a shot immune system is a miracle. My mental health has definitely been struggling with that a little bit. Like we talked about in more length in my episode talking about my journey with OCD, 
as I've been tackling the main parts of my OCD, it's been trying to latch onto other areas in my life. When I started getting sick and I had this sore throat coming on, I had convinced myself I had tonsillitis, strep throat, throat cancer, even though the pain was not that bad. I'm just really grateful again that I am able to be in therapy right now. Very aggressive therapy weekly with daily homework. And I actually had therapy this morning and it was a really great session and talk and talking things through with where I am and how things are going. And we had a, just a really big aha moment of something that we talked about at the beginning of our therapy months and months ago of saying, this is going to be so great when you can get to this place where you can tolerate certain discomforts and not act on compulsions. And something like that happened this weekend that I was able to share with her. And so it's just, it feels like we're in a really good place and I feel really positive about that. And I know a couple of weeks ago when I was in a really hard place. I said, I know this comes in ebbs and flows and things will get better. And I feel like I'm on the other side of it for now. And I know that things might get hard again, but for now things are going really well and I'm really happy with that. But what else is kind of new that I wanted to talk about and talking about with this episode is about our, our parents' mortality coming from a small town, how this all meshes together. Let me just start with where this has been coming from. So a couple of weeks ago, my mom called me up. She texted me and said, hey, when you have a second, can you call me? I call her. She starts the conversation off with that everyone is healthy. Nothing bad is going on. And I'm always like, oh goodness, why are so many conversations prefaced with this as we get older and our parents get older? She was letting me know that they were going in that week to update their will and wanted to talk to me about being the executor of their will and what that means because they hadn't updated it since I was under 18. And it brought up a lot of feelings. First of all, as some of you might know, throughout the past couple of years, I've been working through some fears that I have around death and mortality. And I think it's normal and a lot of us have an uncomfortable relationship with thinking about death because it's something in Western culture that's not talked about a ton. And I have an interesting background from my family being Ukrainian, Eastern European with the way that that side of my family handles death and treats it versus how the Western world does. Anywho, it's just not something anyone wants to think about with their parents. I count myself very lucky that my mom and stepdad right now are in good health. There's been a few health scares, but that they're both here with us. I know not everyone listening to this is in the same boat and you have probably had to deal with these thoughts a lot earlier than I have at the age of almost 28. It's something that's been talked about a lot more in the last five years. You know, my parents are both gonna be turning 61 this year, been some cancer removals and scares in the past. But this was a call where I was like, whoa, this is feeling really real and it's hard to absorb. I respect the hell out of my parents. My mom worked in health records all her life in the hospital. So she's very organized planned ahead and detail oriented. And she was like, this is something that we have to do and we have to talk about. And my parents have both lost their parents and they both know how messy it can be if all your ducks are not in a row before you die. And she said, you know, they travel a lot, heaven forbid any accident were to happen. She wants it to be as easy on me as it can be. And it's so, it's so weird to talk about this and it's weird to even reflect upon it now, but I really appreciate her doing this. And I was getting very overwhelmed on the phone and she was just trying to explain to me again that, you know, they could make their best friends the executor of the will, but they live in a different town and the executor of the will has to be the one to physically sign everything and that it would be very difficult for me when everything in the will is left to me to have to go take these papers to a different town to get all these signatures. Anyways, by that point, I was like, okay, I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. 
And I said, I'm going to come over this weekend and we can get organized and we can talk about this all because I understand, I approve, but I'm overwhelmed. And this is sad and scary to think about. It really reminded me of this episode of the Kardashians from, I don't know, a couple seasons ago where Kris Jenner is basically planning her own funeral. She takes the kids to a funeral home, shows them where their plot's going to be, looks at caskets, and the kids are super freaked out and think she's crazy. And I'm like, no, you know what? I get it. It makes a lot of sense. I've done enough reading to appreciate people who have their ducks in a row and want to make it easier on their loved ones because when you die, obviously you're gone. Whatever you believe in in afterlife aside, you are gone and the repercussions of your death are left upon your loved ones. I think it is an act of love while you're still alive to organize things so that it is easier on someone already going through grief to have to navigate what all that means. Anywho, so we went over to visit my mom last weekend and talk about it all. And it was really weird and uncomfortable. And we tried to make light of it and make jokes because again, she's like, well, we're 61, we're healthy, we're happy, but God forbid anything happens. You guys need to know, you know, what's what? What's going on? She took us through the house that I grew up in, my, that my stepdad has had since he was 25 and took us to the basement to show where the water softener is, where the valves are for the furnace, the weird things when the basement sometimes floods and how to handle that. Where the weird board is for the plumbing in the bathroom that no one ever seems to know about because my stepdad put it in a weird place. Filing cabinet where the wills are, where all the you know, life insurance, pension information is. Password to her phone, if anything were to happen. Just all these hard things that, again, if something were to happen, an unexpected death happens all the time, every single day, to thousands and thousands of people, but that if that were to happen, it would be really difficult to navigate and added stress to have all these unknowns. And so while it was uncomfortable, and sad to have to consider that possibility. I really respected and appreciated my mom for thinking of me in that way. And I do think that that is a act of love. Vice versa, I was like, okay, well, while we're at this talk, I think we need to get on the same page about your wishes for death and what that might look like for you and Mike. Because again, who, who knows if people go at the same time, if one goes before the other, Worst case scenario, I was like, I want to make sure I can respect your wishes. I learned that they wanted to be cremated, which I did not know. I learned that they already have all that prepaid for, a package all set up and their plots picked out. Talked about, okay, well, what if I want some of the ashes at home and not for them to all be stored in the urn at the little mausoleum? It was weird. It was really weird. And in the end, I think I'm just grateful that I'm even able to have these conversations that I have parents that are organized enough and care enough about me to talk about these things. And then I have that element of time to talk about these things. I have multiple friends whose parents passed away unexpectedly and far too young, and they don't have that aspect of time on their side for talking about preparations, wishes, what's to happen if something happens. While I'm 27 and feel far too young to think about my parents dying, I also um, facing that reality, and my therapist would be so proud of me, that these things can happen, they might happen, and it's good to not just avoid because it's uncomfortable and it's sad and it's scary, and to talk about these things. Something that I found really interesting, my stepdad was on vacation when we were over, and so I was just talking to my mom, and when we were talking about things, she was like, okay, you know, talking about 
the deed and home ownership information of their house. And she was like, well, you, you wouldn't want to live here, right? And I was like, yeah, we've talked about this before. I'm like, if you wanted to sell your house tomorrow, if you were to downsize to a condo, I would want to buy the house and live there. And she was saying how my stepdad thought that there was no way I would want to live there, that, you know, if heaven forbid they were to die in a plane accident when they go to Florida or something, that I would sell the house. My mom was saying when I was like, gosh, no, like we would want to live here. I would move in here tomorrow. If again, they wanted to downsize to a condo or something. And she was like, oh, Mike is going to be so, so happy to hear this because again, he bought this house in cash for $70,000 back when he was 25 because that's how life was for boomers. He's been there his whole life. He's done all the renovations. He's had all his life milestones and memories in that house. And I understand that it's sentimental for him to want to keep it in the family. And I'm like, how have I never had that conversation with him? But I guess it, I'm closer with my mom. My stepdad's a man of few words. And anyways, my mom has just been really excited to tell him that, but it got me thinking. I was texting her the next day and I was like, I'm so curious why he thought that I, I wouldn't want to live there. Because first of all, I'm a sentimental person. And second of all, I'm never going to own a home if it's not something I'm partially inherited or have the ability to purchase at a reasonable price anyways, because of the generation that we're in and me being self-employed, it is very difficult to purchase anything. Anywho, she had said, well, you know, back in high school, you always talked about how you couldn't wait to get out of our small town. And I said, you know what? That's fair. I can see. I can see why he would think that based on what I said 15 years ago. My partner and I have had this conversation many times because we live in the city now, but we both grew up in the same small town a few blocks away from each other. And both of us, everyone through high school in I think most small towns can't wait to get out. They can't wait. And typically it's almost looked down upon the people who don't make it out of the small town. Because it can be really bad for your mental health, especially as a young person. And I think it's, I think it is important to get out there and see the world a little bit. And I think it makes you appreciate what you were taking for granted before. I've lived in multiple big cities in Ontario and none of it None of it feels for me. Even right now, I live in a city, but I live in like a neighborhood that very much has a small town feel. And I leave the neighborhood very seldomly. My partner and I have both said, you know, whether his dad were to move and want to sell the house for a reasonable price or my parents were to move and want to sell their house, we would love to move there. Go back to our small town to visit our family and we drive through and we're like, we can appreciate it so much more. It's so much quieter. And I have not everyone is a small town person. I get that, but we most definitely both are. And it's so nice to go back and be able to appreciate it. And we, I made this joke where I was like, you know, I was reading Madeline Pendleton's book, I Survived Capitalism and All I Got Was This Lousy T-shirt. And in it, she talks about being from Fresno. And she says, you know, everyone says it's a shithole, but she's like, it's my shithole. And that is exactly how I feel about our small town. I totally recognize, and I still think for young people, yeah, it probably sucks living there. It's probably not a great time. But at a different part of your life, I think there's a lot of allure and benefit to being in a small town. It's just been really interesting to reflect upon that and talk to both my partner and my parents about that and just getting all on the same page. I don't know, I, I am really curious if other people from small towns feel that way, or I, I know there's a lot of people too that leave their small town, never look back. I see people that I went to high school with who have moved to way bigger cities out of province than me and seem to be thriving in that environment. 
but it is just not for me. City life is draining me. I hate leaving my neighborhood for that reason. I hate that to get to the grocery store, it takes me 25 minutes driving through traffic to get to the grocery store that I want to go to. There are many things of convenience that I appreciate, but my partner and I have also been talking about how that nature of convenience is something that I think a lot of people rely upon as well that I don't think we necessarily like. Sure, we can go out on a Saturday and within the span of a few hours, hit up five different used bookstores in our city. It's just specific to something that interests us, but how it almost makes you take it for granted. It's almost a little too convenient. And we're like, should we be able to though see all these things and be tempted by all these things in such a relatively short radius? I don't know if we need that. We are really into dumbing down our life and unplugging and just living a more simplified life. And I feel so boomer saying that, but I think a lot of us, especially like millennials, are just feeling that pull of simplicity. We've seen how technology being introduced as we were growing up in our teenage years fried our brains and are wanting away from that. Again, this isn't to speak for everyone because I, I know not everyone is thinking these same thoughts as me. I, I had this same conversation with my RMT back in December, which hello, Sarah, if you're listening, because I know you do. But I know she had said the exact same things, how she grew up in a farm outside of the city. And she also lives in, you know, the city that I live in now. And it's very loud and very busy. And she's like, I just want to get away. I just want to move away. And I think a lot of us that come from the country feel that way of getting too deep into city life and being like, wow, this is not all it's cracked up to be. I imagine it's probably different for people that grow up in the city. They're probably, it's like homey hearing cars driving by your house at 11 p.m. That's probably normal and honestly comforting to a lot of people. For me, it's just not. And for me, when I think about one day living in my childhood home, potentially, that brings a lot of comfort and peace. I'm like, I know the quirks of the house. I know the layout. I know the neighborhood. I also know the things I would want to change and renovate and fix. I also know the things that are maybe wrong and need a little bit of work and renovation. Are no secrets. But anyhow, that's been something that I have just been pondering on a lot. And I try really hard to live in the present and not always be looking forward to things. That is definitely something I'm looking forward to one day is getting out of the city. But my mom also humbles me a lot and makes me appreciate and practice gratitude for where I am now and that I am able to afford to live in a very safe part of the city. I know every neighborhood in every city there is scary things that happen, but I live in a neighborhood that would be my first pick of neighborhood of the city that I live in. And I pay rent that is reasonable because I've been locked into my rent price for six years. And I am so lucky to not stress about housing at this moment. Again, who knows if rent eviction were to happen, but at this moment that I'm in a really good position and that I should be grateful for that. And I very, very much am. As much as I complain and whine to my mom because she is the person I've been to about city life and how frustrating it can be at times, I am really grateful. And that seems to be the theme of this week is just being grateful and practicing that gratitude. And again, I don't like forced positivity around here. And that's why when I'm having a good week, I like to lean into it because I know hard weeks will come and it's okay to be mad at life and to be upset over things that maybe wouldn't matter to other people, but they do to you and that makes it valid. This week, I'm having a good week. I think that's pretty much everything 
that I wanted to talk about. I don't know, doing these episodes without notes is tricky. It's tricky and I hope I didn't miss out on anything that I was wanting to talk about. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for spring. I'm really, I feel it coming soon. The groundhog said it's coming and I believe them. Got a ton of sun coming in today. Oh my gosh, this morning my partner was getting ready for class and I was sitting on the couch and he went to say goodbye and he went, you know, put his hand on the back of the couch and he was like, oh my God, this is hot. I'm like, yeah, because of the beautiful sun coming in the windows, heating up the couch in my face. It's been ridiculously lovely and I am really appreciating that and I can't wait for sitting on the porch and sunlight later. I can feel the days getting longer. I can finally feel it. I know, you know, even a month ago people were like, I can feel the days getting longer. I couldn't, but now I can. Now I can a daylight savings is coming in like a month and then we'll have even longer days, right? Spring forward, feeling good about it. And I hope this continues. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I said I know we're supposed to get some snow this weekend. But I think I'm going to wrap this up and maybe go read my book. Do a little more organizing. I do. I want to go through my closet this week. That's something on my list because I am trying to do a no new clothing by year and including used. And so far I have stuck to that. I have not brought in any new clothing items into my life except for underwear, which that feels different because you need to replace those every so often. I really want to go through and rearrange my clothes. I find even just rearranging the way I have them organized in the closet and in my bins inspires me in new ways to remember things that maybe I don't reach for often and to come up with new like fun outfit ideas. And I like to go through Pinterest and come up with ideas of things that I already own and just become re-inspired. Also have a friend on Instagram who said she's gonna be doing a clothing swap soon. So I'm really hoping to maybe pick a few pieces to give over to that, that maybe could go to a home that will wear them more. I think in general, a lot of us kind of rely on donating as a moral scapegoat a little too easily when most things that you donate to the thrift store actually end up in the landfill anyways it's just not you putting it in the landfill so you don't feel that you're doing a disservice but i think a lot of us should be wearing out our clothes even more than we do and then maybe if it gets worn out like our bed shirts right old concert shirts and suddenly there's a hole you're going to bend it no one's going to see it anyways i wear my bed shirts to smithereens and then when they are literally tattered and ripped they get used as rags. I think there's too much of a convenience of the idea of donating when half the time it's just throwing things out. We just aren't doing it and we don't see it. So it's out of sight, out of mind. That's something I'm trying to be a lot more mindful of. So even when I am wanting to pass things along from my home, it's seeing if a friend or family could use them. Doing things like a clothing swap. I've seen home decor swaps in my city as well. Buy nothing groups are also amazing, both for you to find things for free that you might be looking for and list things for free from your home that can go have a second life somewhere. As donating to a thrift store is not guaranteeing a second life. Things like old towels and blankets too that you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is too grubby to donate. Local animal shelters, local animal rescues, they are always looking, no matter the condition, for extra towels and blankets because they constantly need them. So I think my message of wisdom for everyone this week is to be more mindful with your spring cleaning and passing things along and where they're actually ending up and to just give a little bit more thought into how things leave your home and the impact that that has. We all can just do better in a lot of aspects of our life and I think that passing things along is an area that 
a lot of us just could be more mindful about. But yeah, that is on my plan. And then I need to make something for dinner before I go to work tonight. And oh my gosh, one thing we've been doing amazing at is not getting takeout. And I know this is one thing I talked about in my low bike year. I'm so over wasting money on Uber Eats, even just takeout if we pick it up ourselves because it's so much money. It's so expensive to eat out these days and it never feels worth it. It very rarely feels worth it. And we really have not been partaking in that. And it's shown me too to use up things that have been in my pantry that are maybe coming near their best by date that, you know, it's also wasting money to throw that away. Reimagine some new recipes on how to use things that we already have and that it is worth the 20 minutes of feeling hungry and grumpy to just make something anyways, because it's going to take you 20 minutes to run out and get takeout anyhow. So you can do that and spend money while you wait hungry, or you can save money and use what you already have while you're hungry. That's been something that I've been really happy and content with as well. I, th I think that's all she wrote now, for sure. I think we're actually done. This was a little bit of a shorter episode, but I feel in a little hodgepodge of this, that, and that, of happy and some sad realities that we have to prepare for and face. And I hope you all had a good time. I am so tickled pink if you will, from the messages that I get of people saying that they really appreciate listening to this podcast and just the relatability that you have to it. And I really appreciate that. And that was my whole goal with starting this podcast is I'm like, I don't feel like I fit in to a lot of parts of the internet that are just about hyper consumerism or beauty related things, which I also like, it's just not my space. It's nice. It's nice to have like-minded folks. And I also love seeing people share this to their stories when they're like out for a walk. I'm like, yes, that is my target audience reached. That is the ultimate environment to enjoy is either like cozied up on your couch with a cup of tea, out for a walk, appreciating nature and the birds and just feeding your soul. So I hope wherever you are while you're listening to this, that it added a tiny bit of peace to your day and I will continue to have new episodes every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so long as I am healthy and well enough to record them. And I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week. Maybe we'll talk about chronic illness like I prepared for, or maybe I'll still be riding the good vibes wave and we'll have another little go with the flow episode. We will see, but thank you for being here. I hope you all have a beautiful week and I will see you next Sunday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.